Welcome to Kohler Mania. Thank you for joining today. We are so grateful to all of those who follow us and take the time to listen and is just such a blessing. I'm Tanya. And I'm Michael. And today I would love for us to focus on obedience, specifically obedience around Christmas. And I actually started thinking about this because I'm reading through a devotional by Sinclair Ferguson, uh, Redeeming Grace. And it is a beautiful devotion. So if you've not had any kind of Christmas devotional, I definitely would recommend, and I'll put that in the show notes. But the devotion really made me think a little bit deeper about Mary and Joseph and their obedience in the journey of when Jesus was to be born. And it also made me think deeply of the promise that God had for us who believe salvation would come. The Messiah would come through a virgin, as Isaiah talks about. And it is just so profound that I've never sat here and just pondered these things of obedience. All of the people that were involved in this amazing process for Jesus to come, they had to be obedient. And it really convicted my heart. And there were moments as I was reading this devotion that I just cried out to the Lord because my heart desires obedience. I am human and I'm flawed and I need Christ every second. And so I pondered these things and just wondered, you know, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about the obedience. There's so many topics around obedience that we can talk about obedience with our children, but also we want to tie this in with Christmas and Jesus coming here for salvation. What do you think? Well, I like how you turned our focus to the Christmas story in regards to obedience during our family devotional time. We decided to go through the Christmas story, of course, during this Christmas season, reading a section in Matthew as well as Luke, and then discussing and asking questions about the section. And we started December 1st, and in no time flat, we had gotten through the Christmas story, and we're like, okay, we've got time left in the Christmas season, and we're done with the Christmas story. What do we do? It's like, do we read this again? <laughs> you suggested that, yeah, why don't we read this again, and this time focus on the obedience and faithfulness of Mary and Joseph, and really home in on that. There had to be a reason why God chose Mary and Joseph to raise the Son of God. And it's really interesting to look at how their faith and obedience really factored in to show how they were just deep people of faith and just followed God no matter what. Yeah, I love that. And it really made us think, because I know that um, I'm sure you'll share that in a little bit um, around the magazine that you saw and just how that related to the topic that we were discussing in our family regarding obedience and Mary. But I want to look at the passage here that we can read together and discuss this wonderful aspect of obedience. So I'm going to read from Luke chapter one, verse 28. And he came to her and he said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you, but she is greatly troubled at the saying and try to discern what sort of greeting this might be. 
And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for I have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you therefore the child will be born will be called holy the son of god and behold your relative elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with god and mary said behold i am the servant of the lord let it be to me according to your word and the angel departed from her Now, let's quickly look at Matthew because I want to tie these two together and we can talk about this wonderful obedience. So if we look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quickly. But as he considered these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, the son of David, do not fear, take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Okay, this is a lot to dissect, and I'm not going to dissect every aspect of it, but I want to focus on Joseph first as he's the man. And I would love to hear your perspective, but here I'm thinking through this. We're thinking about Joseph and it says that he was a just man. And this time, if a woman committed adultery, she would be killed, stoned. Okay. So here you have Joseph being a just man. I believe with my whole heart, he says, and unwilling to put her to shame. First of all, he had to been brokenhearted to see the woman that he was going to marry. They had made a covenant to marry is now broken thinking, how can this be? How can this woman betray me? I am so devastated, but it says unwilling to put her to shame. The man loved her. This shows unconditional love. It's no retaliation. He wanted to do this quietly so that she would not have any harm upon her. He obviously had a deep respect for her, even as he's deeply wounded, thinking this is not my child. And I am sure that he was extremely angry over the fact that you know, he's got this woman that he's committed to and 
he's going to go ahead and divorce her, which divorcing was just looked upon as a great shame. And so this would be shame on him and shame on her, but he wanted to do it in a way that would be honoring, quiet, loving, and showing her honor, even in this very difficult situation. What do you think about that? Yeah, and I love the the two perspectives that we have on the Christmas story with Matthew and Luke. Matthew tends to focus more on Joseph as the leader of the family and and the, looking at the Christmas story from his perspective, whereas Luke tends to focus on the Christmas story from the perspective of Mary. And when we see in Matthew, as he talks about Joseph, he says, Joseph was a righteous man mm-hmm. and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. So um, as the inspired word of God, we see Joseph, his motive in what he was doing when he found out that Mary was pregnant and it wasn't from him, he it said that he was righteous and he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He was looking out for her, that unconditional love that you talked about, even in the face of what had to be understandably very upsetting to him. He did not have an eye for vengeance. Mm. You know, a lot is done with a lot of anger when we find out about some infidelity and how can I get back at the other person? And especially at this time period, as you you spoke about, there could be some serious consequences for infidelity. And so, but he didn't want that to happen to her. He didn't want to have public disgrace Mm -hmm. in any way. More disgrace would be on her than him. She's the one that committed the infidelity. So, but he was concerned uh, about her. We get an eye into his character yes. as to why he was chosen to be the adoptive father who would raise Jesus and the family that surrounds Jesus to be the Messiah and uh, to take care of his family and to take care of Jesus in his earthly state. And so I just am really impressed by that. And I love the perspective that Matthew gives on that. Yeah, I love that. And you know what comes to my mind? is because we are in marriage ministry, Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives. And it just comes to me so strongly that he was willing to sacrifice his heart and his dreams and show her love, unconditional love. And I think that is just profound to me. As a a man, he was a leader, a righteous man. He loved his wife. And he honored and feared the Lord. That is a true godly character of a man who is standing for righteousness. And I love that, you know, through the Bible, we see dreams. Daniel had dreams and Joseph had dreams. And here we've got this Joseph, Mary's husband, having a dream that God still speaks through those dreams. And he sent an angel to give him a confirmation. And I love that he didn't act upon his emotions right away. He pondered it. He obviously had to go and rest on it. Uh, A lot of times we can get so angry and we make an irrational decision at that moment. And then we determine that it was not the right decision. He took time to step away from the situation And in that moment, it was like a God divine opportunity where God's like, okay, I'm going to go make him rest. I don't know if he had the Holy Spirit resist him from making any actions or from making any kind of responses so quickly 
So he went to sleep. And then that's when the angel came to confirm that to him. And I think that's just, there's so many lessons here that we could take of patience and love and high honor and respect and leadership and righteousness. All of these things are the character of Joseph that I see. Yeah. And I I love in verse 24, the immediacy of how it sounds. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel Mm -hmm. of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home to be his wife. You know, it was that sudden. It's like, there it is. You, you told me what to do. Let me do it. I mean, it's, you know, he had doubts, obviously, at first with what happened with Mary. I mean, he wanted to marry her. He had to be impressed with her as being a very godly individual and her character. And how could this have happened? And then he gets a dream and an angel speaks to him in, in that dream. I mean, he certainly could have had doubts from that as well. This was a dream. Could this just have been a dream? We got to distinguish between when God is speaking through a dream or when a dream is just a dream, you know, and sometimes it's, it can be hard to distinguish that, but he, he knew, he knew what he knew and he knew God is faithful and he knew his word is true. And he just immediately did cut through the doubts cut through all the questions he may have that he can't necessarily answer all of the questions. And he took Mary to be his wife and trusted that the Lord would fill in the details from there. Yeah, I love that. I love everything that you said. And even verse 25, you and I talked about this in the car the other day that, you know, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. That's honorable because marriage... There is that intimacy that happens between a husband and wife. And obviously, it's the son of God in her womb. So he had to have patience. <laughs> patience is, is a huge thing here that I see, like the fruits of the spirit. Uh, patience to wait for his wife to give birth to the son of God. Yeah. And if you focus on this from an apologetic standpoint, this kind of gives further evidence, you know, that, well, if, Mm -hmm. if he could have had relations with her soon after this message, could he really have been the natural father and not the Holy spirit? And it wasn't truly a virgin birth, but the Bible is making it quite clear that there's no way that could have happened because he didn't have any relations with her until after the child was born. Mm -hmm. So the only true biological father there could have been is the Holy Spirit. And to give further evidence that there's no doubt that Jesus was the son of God. Yes. And that's a great point about bringing the apologetics part, because a lot of people will make that statement. Oh, well, then they had to have had relation. I mean, what man can wait nine months to have that union of their marriage. And obviously there was the Holy Spirit working because the prophecy would be fulfilled that was spoken through Isaiah and all through the Bible. Another evidence of Joseph's character too, to have that kind of honor and determination and discipline Mm -hmm. to be able to say that I feel led by the Lord to wait, not only until I'm married, but until after the Son of God is born in order to consummate the marriage with mm-hmm. with Mary and to have that kind of discipline to be able to do that and to follow God's leading in that regard so is another testament to his character and why he was chosen to be the father that would raise Jesus, the Son of God. Let's focus on Mary. I want... To Because as a woman, I look at Mary and I'm thinking, wow, I want a heart 
that will just submit as it says, we're going back to Ephesians 5, where it says to the woman, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. And that just plays a, a huge bell in my mind when I'm thinking about Mary. I mean, there were a lot of amazing women in the Bible that were obedient and submissive and even very difficult times. Like I think about Abigail when she had a horrific, terrible husband and she still obeyed and was obedient to him and submitted to him. But here you've got Mary, which I love, first of all, to be greeted by an angel to say, oh, favored one. What an amazing statement of her character. I know nothing else. If I never read the story, I would see, oh, favored one. Someone that's favored is a beloved, a beloved person, child of God that receives that he is heard by God and knows that their heart is fully devoted to God. It To me, it just warms my heart to hear that. And it says, as she was human, she was greatly troubled and she tried to discern. So she was a wise woman, even though she may have been, we don't know her exact age. She could have been 13, 14 years old. She discerned how many 13 and 14 year old girls have that spirit of discernment. And, you know, I'm over here as a woman, older woman thinking, wow, like to ponder what is being told to me and to discern that kind of greeting to be called a favored one. And also that the angel says, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. I can't even go further. That is just too profound to have an angel say that. And to me, that calls out a woman of obedience, a woman who fears God, a woman who prays, a woman who trusts in the word, a woman who probably memorized scripture, knew the Torah, knew exactly what would happen knew that the Messiah would come, not knowing it would be her, but she was a righteous woman, she believed. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, there, there's a bunch of things that really jump out at me with Luke's perspective with Mary. It just astounds me. And it was interesting when you suggested that we really focus on Mary and her faithfulness. And then I added about, let's also focus on Joseph as well. The very next morning, and you alluded to this earlier, I happened to open up the, a magazine, focus on the family magazine, and there was an article about that very topic, about the faithfulness of Mary and Joseph. And I was like, okay, Lord, I guess you are really wanting us to home in on this topic during our family Bible studies. And they brought out some good points. When Mary first got the news from the angel of the Lord, Gabriel, it said she wondered. Some translations say it's pondered, considered. You know, she contemplated what the angel was saying. And but when we do that, there's often a reaction that we have sometimes as we start thinking more deeply about the things of God. Sometimes con some doubts can come in. Our reason starts playing havoc with our faith. You know, and maybe this happened a little bit with her because we see her asking a question: How can how will this be? Since I am a virgin. You know, she starts questioning. There's some things here that just doesn't don't make sense. 
to me. And Gabriel answered her questions about the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and this will be the Messiah, the Son of God. And she very quickly locked in on her faith and what she knew to be true, that God is faithful and his word is true. And she said in verse 38, let it be according to your word. I am your servant. Mm. And, you know, that's just astounds me how this, as you said, was probably a young teenager, the language that's used for, for her at, um, in the Hebrew about being a, a young virgin is language that's usually used for at the time young girls in young teenage years where, you know, at this time period, they got married at at a young age, according to our standards oftentimes. So it's very possible that Mary was 13, 14, 15 years old. And we just see great faith from this young lady and evidence of why she was chosen to be the mother of the Son of God and that she locked in very quickly. And we see other big figures in the Bible like Moses and Gideon. And, you know, they were asked to do very big things. Moses was asked to go to Pharaoh and demand to let my people go. Gideon was asked to to raise an army and fight this huge enemy army of the Amalekites. And he wasn't even a warrior yet. And God spoke to his potential when the angel of the Lord addressed him as mighty man of valor, mighty warrior, and he wasn't that yet. You know, he spoke to his potential, what he knew he could be with the Lord. And but they had some serious doubts. I mean, Moses had to be convinced. He was he really asked a lot of questions and even demanded, can you get somebody else? I'm not the person. And asking for his brother Aaron to go with them. I mean, he was asked to do a really big thing. So I can I can understand. I mean, he was probably thinking Pharaoh was going to kill him, laugh at him before he lops off his head uh, when he demands, let my people go from slavery. And, you know, Gideon demanded a sign of the fleece that it be dry when the rest of the ground is wet. And when that happened, he's like, let's try this again the opposite way. That could have been a coincidence. And, you know, God met him where they were at with those doubts. And in the end, they locked in on their faith. God is faithful. His word is true. Let's do this. I don't have to answer all the questions. I don't have to shore up all the doubts that I might have. And it just astounds me that God is comfortable with those doubts and that he will meet them there. And what's most important is to put our trust in him, even with some of those doubts that we may have. But in contrast to that, we see Mary, who very quickly locked in on her faith and said, I'm your servant. Let it be according to your word. You're faithful. Your word is true. Let's do this. And she locked in very quickly without demanding all those signs or with a fleece and asking God to even get somebody else. I'm not your person. She was, this young lady was very faithful and very obedient. Yeah. The word obedient continues to stand out. And you mentioned the verse where Mary says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And she could have said, no, I'm I'm not doing this. I wasn't, I wasn't cut out for this. <laughs> she could have actually questioned, well, but why? You know, why me? She could have responded so many ways, but she didn't say anything. She held her heart. She trusted and she obeyed and she moved forward. Just like you were saying, Michael, because obedience 
was key in her life. And God knew that she would be obedient. God knew that she would take on this task because saying what she said, let it be to me, could be, okay, I could die right now. I might get stoned. I'm going to lose Joseph as my husband. I'm going to be shamed. You know, I will probably be divorced. All these things you could ponder and all these what ifs could happen, especially during that time, the stoning, like we talked about earlier. So it was almost like she didn't care about her life. She trusted in what she believed and she obeyed exactly what you just said. And it gravitates to my heart because that's how we should be as believers is obedient followers that say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. I don't understand this, Lord, but I'll do it. I'll move forward, Lord. I'll do it. I have all this stress or persecution going on, Lord, but I'll do it. And we should have that type of response as Joseph and Mary had. And then down where you see Mary starts to sing this amazing song in verse 46 and 47, She's like, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold, from now on in all generations will call me blessed. Wow. Because she's favored and God knew that she would have such a humble heart about herself to have a deeper obedience. And so this entire story that we're reading is, I don't like to use the word story, but it, you know, we're reading the story of true people, people who were tested in their faith, people who walked the journey of potential persecution by Herod, that they could be killed and stoned and all these things but they believed in God. And when we see that today in our generation and even the the journeys of our own lives, the obstacles, the valleys that we encounter, we need to have a faith that we don't know, Lord, or this situation may be hurting, but I want to obey you. I want to be obedient to your word and to trust you with a deeper sense that I know that your word will never fail. And you have shown this to me over and over and over from the beginning of Genesis all the way to Revelation. And why would you fail now, Lord? And so we need to be a people who trust and obey Obedience is hard to do, and we see that as parents because we are constantly teaching our children to obey, but we as adults must obey as well, obeying the word of God just as Mary did and just as Joseph did. Yeah, you know, and I, I like how you, you bring up, uh, you know, what exactly is does it mean to believe and have faith? I, I think it's more about obedience and trust than it is about not having any doubts, you know, lack of doubts. I, I like Bonhoeffer's quote saying that only he who believes is obedient. And it makes me think of James 2.19, where James talks about, you believe that's good, that even that there is only one God, that's good. Even the demons believe that and mm-hmm. shudder. You know, the demons believe in God and they have no doubts but they aren't saved because they're not putting their trust in him. They're not being obedient 
to him. You know, in contrast to that, we see the great figures of faith in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11, and where they weren't perfect in their faith. We see times where their faith kind of faltered a bit, and we see them questioning, and we need we see God having to meet them where they're at with some of their doubts, and that is okay. What was most important is that these were people that were obedient to God's Word. Yeah. They put their trust in Him, mm-hmm. regardless of some of the questions and doubts that they may have, and certainly all the questions they have of how is this actually going to happen? I'm going to have to step out in faith one step at a time, trusting that God is going to fill in the details and make this happen, because God doesn't just spell out the whole plan. He wants to see if we're going to trust him. It's like, this is what I want you to do, and then I'll let you know the next step, and then I'll let you know the the next step. Uh, And that can be a very scary thing, and sometimes those doubts can creep in. But I love the example that we have from Mary and Joseph where they just they put all those doubts and those questions aside, and they locked in on what they know. God is faithful. His word is true. Let's do this because our trust is in God despite any doubts that may creep in. Yes, and I keep thinking about this verse in First Samuel fifteen twenty two when Samuel was talking to Saul, and he he was upset with Saul because Saul was to destroy this town and not leave anything alive or any food, and Saul didn't obey. He did it ninety percent, and Samuel said, and First Samuel. 1522, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat rams. And right now I'm looking at the book of Kings and I'm studying the Kings and you had Kings that were, they did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but they didn't take down the high places. So there's 99% obedience and then 1% disobedience. And all of that is disobedience. God wants our pure heart to be obedient 100% of the time. And this is something that we all as followers of Jesus Christ should constantly work out our salvation, look deep within our hearts to see, Lord, what areas am I failing at? What areas am I not being obedient to? Because I need you. And to have as a woman, to be the woman of God and have Mary as an example. Wow. What a blessing. What a blessing to the ladies out there. And for Joseph, men out there listening, what a great example. You know, our ultimate example is always Jesus, but God gives us people that we can relate to people that live just like me and you eat just like we do go to the bathroom, just all these things. And Mary and Joseph were just at the time probably considered like common people, probably not um, middle class. They're probably a little bit more lowly and they obeyed. They obeyed and they're great examples for us. So men, Joseph is a wonderful man that can be encouraging to your journey in your marriage as you lead your family And just knowing that the Lord, having that fear of the Lord, that deep reverence that the Lord is in control. And as long as you follow him, your family will follow. Yeah, I like what you said there with Saul and and Samuel. There was an example where 
God wanted to exact judgment on the Amalekites, yes. and uh, he was going to use Saul and his army to do that. And he, God said, these people are evil. Destroy everything. And Saul didn't. Saul had a better plan. And he was like, well, I want to keep the best aside in order to sacrifice to God. Certainly God will, would be okay with that. I mean, I'm going to sacrifice the best for him. And God, through Samuel, had to visit Saul and said, what are you doing? You know, what is all this sheep sounds that I hear going on? I thought I told you to destroy everything. What's what's going on? And he said, well, I kept the best aside for a good thing to sacrifice to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's where Samuel said to obey is better than even the great thing of sacrificing the best to the Lord. Why do you think you have a better plan than what God said? God is exacting judgment here and you went against God's plan. You disobeyed him. Just do just do it. When God tells you to do something, just do it. Don't fill in all the details yourself. God has all the details. And to obey is better than even sacrifice. I, I love the story of Naaman as well, mm-hmm. where Naaman was taught a little uh, humility, this great warrior who had leprosy. And uh, he heard of this great prophet Elisha and wanted to go see him to see if he would pray for him for for healing. And Elisha didn't even answer the door. His servant did and said, I'll go wash in the Jordan seven times and then close the door. Naaman was so offended and was, well, forget this. We have better rivers where I'm from. And uh, this Jordan is like a creek and it's dirty. And why, why that makes no sense. And he can't even come to the door himself. He sends his servant to talk to me. Look at me. I'm Naaman. I'm this big leader and general. And he left and I'm not going to Washington, Jordan. And it was one of his servants that had to say, look, you know, if he would have asked you to do something really difficult, you would have done it. He's asking you to do something simple. Just go wash in the Jordan. Why don't you just do it? And he humbled himself at that point to his credit and said, yeah, you know, I, I need to just obey what I'm told to do and just do it. I might not understand it. I don't know why it has to be in this river, but that's what I'm told to do. When he go, he went and washed in the Jordan seven times and was healed. And, you know, sometimes we don't understand all the things. And sometimes God will give us a lesson in obedience by asking us to do something that we can't make sense of in our own mind, whether it's to take a certain job or to move to a certain city that we just can't reason out to make sense, but we just feel so impressed upon by the Lord to go do it. And trust me, I will fill in the details. I am all knowing. I know why I am sending you to do it in this way and in this manner. Stop questioning. Stop having your reasoning getting in the way. Um, Just do it. Just do it and trust. Trust and obey. That is the hallmark of faith and belief. Yes, this is wonderful. And and this podcast we really wanted to hone in on obedience. And like I said earlier, there's so much to say about obedience, but just to look to see how this beautiful woman, Mary, and this man with integrity, Joseph, were so obedient to God's word that God blessed them, protected them, and through them, their son would come, Jesus Christ. And as we think about right now, the Christmas story, and we think about all that Jesus has done for us. There's so much to talk about. 
But really, it's the focus of obedience. Jesus didn't have to come in as a baby. He could have just popped up as a 30-year-old man, but he came to relate to us, to be like us, to be in a womb of a mother, to understand he's the only one that knows what it's like to be in a womb and to hold all things together while he was in the womb because all things were created through him and by him. And so it's amazing. And it makes me just crave further obedience because I don't have it perfect. And I don't think all of us will have it perfect, but that's why we need the cross. And because of the cross, we are made new and righteous by the blood of Christ. Yes. And to tie in the cross and with the Easter story, I think the Easter story as well as the Christmas story go hand in hand. I love the example that Jesus had stated in Philippians 2, 6 through 11, saying, who being in the very nature of God, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient, obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to be to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that every name of Jesus, every knee, knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. That example that we have with Jesus um, being obedient even unto death. His whole family was obedient. Mary and Joseph was obedient. Jesus was obedient even unto death. Obedience is the hallmark of faith and belief. It is disobedience that leads us astray. It's That is ultimately whether we're going to put our trust in the Word of God or we're going to put in our trust in the words of man and evolution or whatever philosophy is of the day. Are we going to be disobedient to God's Word or are we going to be obedient? And that's why there's so much emphasis in the Bible about just teaching us to be obedient, be have an obedient heart, be obedient to the government, even when you don't agree with what the government is saying. Be obedient to your leaders, even if you think that they are not leading in a very logical way that doesn't make any sense. As long as they're not asking you to do something that is against God's word, God commands us to be obedient. He wants us to have that obedient heart because it's that obedient heart that seeks hard after him. It is that de- disobedient art that starts looking for ways to do all the wrong things. And there's plenty of options out there for all the wrong things. There's only one option for the right thing. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. I am the only way, says Jesus. And that requires an obedient heart in order to follow strong and hard after that, as Mary and Joseph gave us great examples of. Yeah, I think those are some great points. And I really think that this gives our listeners a whole different perspective regarding obedience, just looking a little bit deeper. And I also want to point out that it is important that we continue to teach our children obedience as we are part of marriage ministry. And just looking at the Christmas story, it's great to talk about the obedience aspect of how Jesus came and Mary and Joseph through this Christmas story so that our children understand that Mary was obedient and Joseph was too. And so they had to be obedient in order for baby Jesus to come and for the entire process to happen. And so I think it's really important that we hone in on the obedience aspect to our children 
So our kids have a better understanding as to why they have to obey. Of course, we should be teaching them different aspects of the Bible, but they may question, well, why do I have to obey my parents? And why do I have to obey an adult? And so teaching obedience is very important. Yeah. And we even see Jesus as a young child being obedient in the temple when they couldn't find Jesus during one of the Passovers and they were looking through all the relatives to try to find them. We see Luke's perspective again on on this in chapter 2, verse 49 and 51, where they were looking frantic for him. You can imagine you can't find your son. Where is he at? He must be back in Jerusalem. So they got to go back and travel there to try to find him. And they finally find him in the temple and they were understandably upset saying, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And Jesus was like, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Wouldn't you think that that would be the first place to look would be in my father's house, uh, learning his words? But, you know, ultimately in 51, he said he he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Mm. He was like, okay, I could just picture them saying, look, I know you're the son of God. And you're all knowing and everything, but we are not. And next time, tell us where you're going to be so we don't worry. And here is Jesus, the son of God, but also a young 12-year-old or so. And and he's saying, okay, mom and dad. And he was obedient to his parents. Jesus had a heart, the son of God had a heart of obedience to his parents and ultimately to his father's will in dying on the cross. And I love those examples that that we have in in God's word with that, even among the, the family examples. And I'm so thankful that we had an opportunity to talk through obedience and just looking at the Christmas story as Christmas is right around the corner. And it's something that we can look at every single year to really evaluate the the Christmas story and look at Mary and Joseph and evaluate our hearts as we do so, that we look to the Lord to help us and guide us in that obedience. And we become surrendered and we do it out of love because we love God. We love him because he first loved us. And out of that love, we want to be obedient. And may we be followers who obey his word at all times. And so this wraps up today's podcast. And we're so grateful that you're here and we're grateful. Please share this podcast with a friend to encourage them to learn more about obedience. And until next time, God bless.